Well, today I want to be I want to continue talking about some faith uh, in our David and Goliath series that I just completed. I found last week that I said some things unrehearsed, a lot of statements that came from the Holy Spirit that were not in my notes. A lot of faith came out last week. Who noticed some things about some faith last week? And the Lord wants to continue talking to us today about faith. Who want, who's excited about faith? Amen. Uh, faith is not you trying to do something. That is a false concept of faith. Faith is not, I'm going to do this thing, right? That's not faith. That comes out of our faith. Amen. Does that make sense? Right? That's just a reaction from our belief in God, our trust in God, right? The true faith is faith in God. Everybody say, my faith in God helps me to do anything. Right, so when Jesus was telling them, if you only have faith, it wasn't like a tool, it wasn't a thing that they possessed. It was that if they could truly get to the place where they trusted God, they were one with God, then they could do anything. It wasn't that they were doing it, it was that they had found their place in God, amen. And so I want to talk uh, about some things that I believe is for this hour, and uh, really for us as believers at any time, but... The hour that we're in, the time we're in, and everybody is uh, facing an obstacle doesn't mean that it's like life-shattering, but we're all believing God for things. We're believing God for people, right? Every one of us here is believing God for miracles, for breakthroughs, etc. And so we need uh, to uh, really look to God in this hour. Amen. And I said something um, last week. And it came even from the Tuesday before that, which is, I mean, right from the Holy Spirit. I didn't think this up. And um, it's that faith is viewing the present from the future. And I started saying that last week. Right? I don't want to get too heady. I just want to be very, I just want to try to keep it down here. But we are resurrected in Christ. Amen. I want you just to say it. I am resurrected in Christ. All right, so that is future tense only on our timeline, not in God's. Amen. Right? God is not, he's not ahead of time. It's not like God sits somewhere in the future. That's not God. God is outside of time, right? Timeline is our realm. God is outside of that realm, right? He is higher. He is above. Amen. So uh, our future really is only relative to the timeline that we're living in. Amen. But we are with Christ, present tense. We are resurrected. It's a concept that I say uh, almost every other week, if not every week, because it's one that we must get. It will bring us freedom. It will give us life. Because what it does when we really get the concept that we are resurrected with Christ is that we will look with different eyes at the situation we're in right now. And just to really put it bluntly, is before we even get into the sermon, it's this. It's that I'm already free. I don't feel free now. I feel kind of bound. Uh, this person I'm believing for, they're not saved yet, but they are saved. Right? They are. It just hasn't happened yet, but they are. Amen. Right? That's why the Word says, by His stripes, we were healed. How were you healed from something that you're still dealing with now? We were healed in the past for something in the future. And it's because God doesn't see things the way we do. The Bible says God's ways are not our ways, right? He's different. 
God, you know, we're not, God's not weird. We're weird, right? We read a lot of things about God and we're like, wow, that's weird. And it's only because we have created our own concept of what normal and weird is. We have created our own concepts of what uh, really, uh, of what love is, of what friendship is, of what being happy is, of what joy is, right? We create these concepts and then we define them based on culture, based on where we are in our life. Isn't that true? Right? How do you possibly define happiness? It's going to be different for everybody else, right? That's why we have to go to the Word and say it's not happy, we need joy. Because joy goes over top. It rules over happiness, right? It's when Paul was in a prison cell, he had just been freshly beaten by them again, and he's rejoicing and praising God because he had something that was greater than happiness, quote-unquote. He had joy, right? So we need to look at the Bible. We need to look at God's way of seeing things. Uh, When we view earthly experiences and earthly concepts, we must look through God's lens. Amen. So God says, uh, it's not just happiness that I want you to focus on, because that will come and go, but joy can stay steady, right? We can have joy in every circumstance, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you need strength when everything's good, or do you need strength when everything's bad? Right? We, we need it all the time, but we don't notice it until things are bad, right? Then we're like, I need your strength, God. So what does that mean? That means that when I'm not happy, I have to rely on joy. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not going to focus on that today, but I'm trying to create this, just get right into this, that we must view this life that we're living through the concepts of God and not the concepts that have been taught to us by this earth and by the way you've been raised, right? Someone can have a false concept of a father because they had a bad earthly father, right? And then we look at God like that, like he's harsh or he's... Or, you know, maybe your father was the best father, and he never disciplined you ever. In your, in your concept, that was the best. But really, it wasn't good for you because you got away with everything. Then God starts dealing with you, and you say, man, God, you're mean. God's not saying, I'm mean. I'm being a good father. Your father did things through an earthly uh, perspective. I'm doing it from my perspective. I'm God. I'm right. God's right. We're wrong. Amen. So we must view our present from the future. I want us to really get this concept that you are looking back at your life from the finish line. I'm victorious. I'm free. I'm whole. I'm well, right? I'm alive. I'm not dead. I was dead in my sins. I was sick, but now I'm healed. Amen, right? So we are living from a place of victory, even though you're not experiencing it yet. You're only not experiencing it yet because you're looking at time. But if you live outside of time, I'm victorious. Amen. I just want you to raise your hand and say, I'm alive in Christ. I'm victorious. I'm free. I'm whole. I'm well. I am not sick. My mind is not in control. The mind of Christ is in control. Amen. It's not a mind over matter thing, right? This is not just a mind over matter thing where we, we're saying, you know, these things and, you know, pretending like everything's okay. That's not what I'm trying to say. I understand that you're dealing with it moment by moment, but we are deciding to, buy, to, to look through the situation at Christ on the other side. Amen. 
That's right. Exactly. That's exactly right. We are speaking things, right? God, the way that God spoke is that he spoke in, from nothingness to something. He spoke outside, literally, when we, when we think about everything that God has made. And I'm going to look at this here in Hebrews. When we see everything that God has made, he took nothing and made something. Right? Science doesn't know how to make nothing into something. They're still, they're still desperately trying so they can prove that God is wrong. Right? Who knows that? But everything that they try to make, even though we make artificial things like plastic, you have to use God's stuff, don't we? Because you can't make nothing into something. We might call it nothing. We might call it worthless. Right? We turn oil into fuel, right? But God put the oil there, right? So God, though, he took nothing and made something. Do you understand how big this is? So that means that God doesn't need, <laughs> God doesn't need your situation to look good, bad, or ugly to make it victorious. Do you understand? He doesn't need, wow, it's so, it's so big. I want to keep it simple, but it's so big because, see, God, we're like, we're walking on this timeline, and I've been trying to talk to you about uh, how we go through things, and when you're in the moment, I just did a job uh, on Friday, and I was thinking about this again. During, while you're working, and it was rainy, and it wasn't quite 50 degrees, it was just that kind of that cruddy day, makes you just feel, makes you feel miserable, you know, and you, you, you suck it up, and you push through, and you do the job anyway, but you just don't feel great, and your mind can't think of anything but that right then. So, like, you have to overcome it, but you still can't help but be aware of it. Does that make sense? And that's, but I said to myself what I say to myself every time I have a day like that, this too shall pass. It's such a simple concept, right? It's not God didn't say it, but really comes from his word is that within the blink of an eye, I'm going to be, it's going to be Sunday. And here we are today, you know, two days later, before I know it, it's going to be six months from now, before I know it's going to be six years from now. And the point is that if you get stuck viewing your situation from the perspective you're in, remember the phrase, they can't see the forest through the trees, if we get so focused on what you're focused on right here in this moment, we're going to miss that there's victory on the other side. God has us in a place of victory. Amen. And so what I want to do is I just want to read through some scripture here. Uh, it's going to be um, a couple of chunks. I'm going to start in Hebrews 10. I want to talk about faith for these next few minutes. But I believe, and I want to look at Hebrews 11. But from Hebrews 10 through Hebrews 12, because remember the Bible wasn't written with chapter and verse, there's a concept that's crammed into Hebrews from chapter 10 to chapter 12. I'm not going to read every scripture in there, but there's a concept that was written in this letter, and it starts here in Hebrews 10, verse 32. Hebrews 10, verse 32, it says, uh, I want you to think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Do you remember those days? Who remembers first coming to Christ? Who remembers maybe either being like a really little boy or girl and you knew about God and then someone introduced you to it and then maybe your life went this way and that way, but at some point you clicked, right? At some point you dialed in, 
and you're like, I want to know you. I want to really know you. I want to walk with you. Amen. Who remembers those days? And so the Bible says here in Hebrews, he's talking to them because they had actually gone through a whole bunch of stuff to be a Christian. And other people in other places of the world, this is not just history. For people to be Christians in some of Asia still, uh, definitely the Middle East, some of Africa, uh, they're still going through this today. And it says that they remain faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. To become a Christian meant that you were going to be facing some things because it was illegal. So sometimes, verse 33, you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you. I want you to say this out loud. There is something better waiting for me that will last forever. Hebrews 10 says, remember the joy you had, and this is why you had joy. You came to Christ, but even though you were going through things, you had a supernatural joy because you were looking beyond this present moment. Amen. Verse 35 says, and he's warning them. So, you know, even the writer here, he, writing to this group of people here in Hebrews, the people were experiencing, or, you know, he's, he's suspecting, hey, don't forget, because you might be getting weary now. You might be like you feel like it's been too much. Don't forget that you've trusted God this far. Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember, so when the, when the word is telling us to remember it's, and to tell us a caution, it's basically proposing this idea that uh, you may make it this far, and this is where the enemy is just going to start to chip it away at you, or the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Isn't it funny, the littlest, stupidest things that end up making us snap? And it's really not that thing. You know, it's not that one word that someone just said, and you're like, whoa, where is this coming from? But it was a whole bunch of stuff that's been going on for a long, long time, and then that's it, right? And you're like, I, okay, I don't know what I did. Well, that's the problem. Uh, so it says, remember the great reward it brings you. So not only does it say that there was a joy because they were looking forward, but there is a reward. Everybody say there's a reward. There's a reward, the Bible says, for looking beyond this present moment that and trusting in something beyond us. Amen. And it says, verse 36, patient endurance is what you need now. So you trusted God before, I want you to keep trusting him. This is where endurance comes along. So you didn't need endurance on mile one. When you start running a race, who's ever jogged or, t or run a race, right? Who's ever done it, right? You don't need endurance within the first five seconds. You need endurance on the last five seconds, right? Because that's when everything in your mind and body is saying you're never going to make it, just quit. And you just go, well, just one more foot you know, one more step, one more mile, right? And so he says to them, 
patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. So, in fact, not only uh, was some suffering, some things that they were going through normal, uh, but and we can have joy in it, but to stay patient in it, to endure, is actually doing God's will. Because what happens is the enemy wants to get you frustrated. Because if faith can be boiled down to the most basic principle is just trust in God, then when we lose our faith, what did we lose? Right? If you boil it down to its most base principle, there's obviously so much about faith. I mean, I started... I started doing some dissecting of faith, and, and when you look at just the simple concept of faith, it's actually extremely complex because there's so many different types and levels, and some people needed faith to endure, some people needed faith to do something, some people needed faith to trust something, right, or to stand against an enemy, etc. So it's really complex, and yet it's very simple. The simplicity of it is just trusting God. So when the devil rocks our faith, what he's really rocking is your trust in God. If you go to its base, to the real foundation of what he's after, he's not after your power to do things. He doesn't really care about you doing anything. Ultimately, he wants to stop that too. But if, what he really wants is to get you off your foundation and really lose your trust in God. And that's what happens, right? Ultimately, we've seen it, maybe you've done it, where you point your finger at, at God and you say, I've had enough of you. I know that that's horrible, but everybody, you know, has, everybody's got a different place, but we've all hit a place where we've become frustrated or you become discouraged. And you, you may not point your finger directly, but you do it in your heart by saying, you know, maybe I'm just going to watch a little more Netflix than read my Bible you know, maybe I'm just going to hang out with my friends a little bit more over here than my church friends, right? And so we do it in ways that aren't direct, but basically we're saying, eh, you know, you be God, I'll be me. And that's the world. That's not, that's not God, is it? And so the Bible says here that verse, 37, uh, verse 36, let's continue that verse because it says, then you will receive. So if we continue to do God's will, so the devil wants to get us off the path. And why? Because ultimately there's victory for us. Everybody say there's victory on the path we're walking. And right, so he's trying to steal our victory. It says, then you will receive all that he has promised. Everybody say then. What does then mean? That means after. That means continue. That means keep going. See, the victory is already there. You need to understand this is the base. Is if, if faith is trusting God, then basically it means that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Which means that just because we haven't experienced it yet doesn't mean we won't. In fact, it's not just that it doesn't mean we won't. We must come to the place where we know that we know that we know that we know that God is going to do what he said he would do. No matter what. It should look incredibly impossible. It should look so ridiculously stupid from the world's perspective that God's going to... You know, that's what the Bible says. It says it's foolishness. To believe in Christ to the, from the world's perspective is foolishness. If you really think about it, right, a carpenter, you know, from some, you know, you know, from their perspective, some guy and some lady, this guy's a carpenter for 30 years, all of a sudden he says, I'm Christ. I'm just, I'm not saying that this bothers me. I'm just saying, look at it from the world's perspective. And then you're like, oh, well, 
His mother was a virgin. The Holy Spirit inseminated her. And we're like, whoa, what? So you have to understand something here. To try to understand God or to trust God because it makes sense is crazy. Ready? Wow. Talk about crazy. To try to understand God in order to trust him is crazy. They say we're crazy because they can't understand God, so they don't trust him. But it's actually craziness to try to understand to trust him. Because your mind, if you go to you go the knowledge route, the, under, you know, the human understanding route, it's all going to become foolishness and crazy, craziness. Nobody walks on water, and Peter did. Okay, mountains don't move because we speak to them, but Jesus says they will. People don't get healed just because somebody puts their hand on them, and yet they do. So do you understand that to be a believer and to try to, to create a, a normalcy or try to make it scientific, is, is, is to, that's the craziness. To try to make sense of God is crazy. Instead, we must learn to trust him because he is God. And then you know what happens? Sometimes concepts do come, don't they? Sometimes God then reveals things that aren't crazy anymore. Like, for instance, you know that for years and years and years, the Bible always said that the life is in the blood. I've mentioned this before. And what they used to do, they thought, well, sickness was also in your blood, so they would put leeches on you, and they would bleed you, try to get the sickness out of your blood. Meanwhile, the Bible has said it for thousands of years, the life is in the blood. They didn't understand the concept that you train too much blood, the person dies. The Bible always said it. I don't know if it's just folklore, if it actually happened, but I always heard that that's what they did to George Washington. He got sick, so they put some leeches on him. That's what they would do, and he bled to death. The point is that the Bible is right. Science is wrong. If science happens to line up with the Bible, then so be it. But when it doesn't, you can't then favor science. You have to favor God. When your situation is not lining up with God, that means your situation is a liar. God is not. Wow. That means the devil is a liar. God is not. That means your mind is lying to you. Just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it's not true. God is true. Amen. And he's coming back, isn't he? Thank you, Lord, that you're coming back. And so the Bible says right there, verse 37, for in just a little while, wow, 2,000 years ago, God's got a different concept of time, doesn't he? See, this is why we can prove God does not look at time like we do. Because my Bible says 2,000 years ago, just a little while, when you leave your kid in the car and you say, I'm going to go in and go to the store, and it's illegal to leave your kid in the car, but you go, it's okay, I'll only be in there a little while. I hope you didn't mean 2,000 years, because not only are you going to jail, but that child will be in the grave for about 1,920 years by the time you come back out. But, in, but from God's perspective, a little while is exactly that, 2,000 years for us. You understand? God's concept of victory and freedom and life and time, we need to view it from his perspective, not ours. Not the earth, not your mind, not your culture, because all those things are lying to you, aren't they? Who has a different perspective in the world we live in today compared to the world you lived in 50 years ago, some of you, some of you 30 years ago? 
The world looked a little bit different, didn't it? Define normal 30 years ago. Define what was acceptable 30 years ago. Do you see how that changes? God never changes. And that's why I've, I've said it like a broken record, and I didn't expect we would see it so fast. But more than ever, you're going to have to define your life, to define your understanding by the Word of God, and not by your culture, not by what your, the teachers have said. If the teacher lines up with God, then fine, listen to the teacher. If they don't line up with God, they're lying. And we just have to come to terms with that. Elijah said that his English class was much more about social issues than about English. He's telling me, he's like, because he's taken a, he took a social class as well, had to for college, but he's like, no, the English class was more about the stuff going on in our world today than the social class was. What does that have to do with him just doing English? But it's because they're trying to force their, the devil, listen, you have to look beyond it, it's not the people. It's not the school system. I mean, they're the ones f facilitating it, but it's the devil beyond them trying to force his agenda. So he's trying to rob our faith. And our faith at its base is just trusting God. But if you can shock and shake everything about what we think and believe, then he's got faith in his hand. He did it 140 years ago when... Evolution was conceptualized in the 1950s. You know, you guys started, some of you here started getting taught it as a theory. It used to say in your, hist in your, in your book, The Theory of Evolution. By the time I got to school, it just said 4.6 billion years ago, this is what happened. It was no longer the theory. And see, but as soon as the devil took out you being fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb, like my word says... Well, now, what does it really matter if I kill this person, if we're just both animals? Why can't I take drugs? I'm, it's just, no, nothing matters. I just happened. I just wandered into here from, from nowhere. Some blob mated with another blob, apparently, four billion years ago, and here I am. So who cares what I do? Right, you understand that that's underlying? Isn't it funny that they still try to define right and wrong? Oh, I don't understand. Like, I'm not in the world, so it's hard for me to even think. But if I was in the world, I'd probably be the worst person there was. Because I would be like, how could you possibly say there's no God, but then have your own version of right and wrong? I don't even understand. It doesn't even make sense to me without God. Again, this is hard for me to even, like, think about because I... I know God and love him, and, and I know evil, how evil it is. But do you understand, like, it's so weird? And you see that the idea that they're trying to create, they still talk about right and wrong, good and evil. There's still the jail system and so on without God. Is it, that's your proof that, we're, that the devil is not, he's not just, see, it's not just darkness. It's called the delusion. Because if, he just, if it's just pure darkness, if it was just murder, and rape and evil all the time, I think we would be we would we would see it. But because like that's more the fringe still, and they're, the things that they're trying to tell us are normal have been uh, gradual, right? So they get you used to it, right? Who's gotten a little bit more used to things that you're shocked that you're you don't believe it, but you're more used to it. And see, so what it's, what it's showing us is that we have to come back 
to the word. We have to get to that place in our faith where it is so grounded on God. And what happens is if you can ground your faith in God, if it's just about trusting him, then in your personal situations, you're going to go through them. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you'll go through your personal situation much easier if you've already settled it, that you trust God no matter what, and that what his word says is true no matter what. Then when you get into your detailed situation, you're going to say, well, mine seems like I'm the only one going through this, but my word says that that's not true, that others are going through the same stuff I'm going through. So that's a lie from the devil. He's trying to tell me that no one understands. I'm in this alone. I can't even talk to anyone because they don't, they'll never get me. And meanwhile, the Lord says from his word that he's experienced everything on our behalf, that he'll stand beside us in every single step of the way. Do you understand? See what I'm trying to say? The lies that we get in our mind from this world. Because don't tell me that you don't think those from time to time. I'm not saying you dwell on those thoughts that I just mentioned, but we all get to the place where we start to look at our, and try to dissect our situation based on our own reasoning, our own feelings, and our culture. But the Bible says he's coming and he will not delay. What does my word say? Does your word say the same thing? He will not delay, which means that we're right on time which means that even though it's been 2,000 years, God is in perfect step with himself. I mean, the plan that he has is, is, be, is perfect. Amen. Who believes that? Which means that if you haven't seen victory yet in your timeline, does that mean that it hasn't happened yet? My word says he will not delay. I'm going to focus on my victory instead of focusing on the issue. I'm going to focus on that person being saved instead of focused on them acting like the devil right now, even though it's easier and it's disheartening when everything they do is evil, right? But you're believing God for them. We need to look and say, no, they're saved. I'm not saying, you're not, you know, it's not, this is not some sort of mind over matter thing, like I say. This is not new age. You're not confessing something, you know, something weird. You are speaking, you're looking into their future. Amen. And they are saved. Amen. I believe it, God, and, uh, and I'm just going to trust you that you're going to do it. Amen. That's it. And so the Bible says, verse 38, and my righteous ones will live by faith. Say, I'm the righteous, right? Right? Or the just, the Bible says, the just as well. In other words, because we can't make ourselves just, we can't make ourselves righteous. These are those that are in Christ. Amen. Well, you've been justified by him. You've been made righteous by him. So depending on your translation, it might say the just shall live by faith. Same thing here. It's that God has, has covered you in his blood. He has redeemed you. And the Bible says that those people, that's us, we live by faith. And he says, but, everybody say but. but. I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Verse 39, but we are not like those who turn away from God to our own destruction, we are the faithful ones whose souls are being saved. So to have faith is what? It's a person that is not turning away, even though everything in your situation or in your life right now is trying to get you to forget his joy, to get you to turn away, to get you to turn back, 
to get you to give up, uh, to get you to stop praying, stop believing. It's never going to happen. You're never going to see that victory. Blah, 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 lie, 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 lie. And instead, it's the person who never turns away. We are the faithful ones. Amen. So just for a few more minutes, I still have a few more minutes with you guys, so I want to continue here as you go into chapter 11. Hebrews 11, so it goes right from 10, so that's the last verse. So Hebrews 11, 1, right? Because it's not a, he didn't write and then like end a concept and then start a new one. Sometimes you see that from chapter to verse. But in this case, he's he just continuing on. So he says, so faith, which we've just been talking about in chapter 10, the faith that I want you to have. What is faith? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. In other words, faith is choosing to believe God. So Hebrews 11.1 1 is choosing to believe God because we're confident in who he is and what his word says and what he will do, even though we don't see what we're believing for yet. Let me say that again. Faith is choosing to believe God because we're confident in who he is, who he says, and what he will do, even though we don't see what we're believing for yet. That's faith. All right, and that's what we have. When you came to Christ, I think for most of you, he was invisible. Maybe you saw him. Maybe you had a vision of him. I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just saying, like, you know, that we made the choice to believe him based on what was presented to us. Here's the gospel. Is everybody like the rest of us here? So that was pure faith. Your whole foundation was faith. I've never seen you, although I, I believe we do get glimpses of him, right? We've had, we have dreams and visions of God, and we can see him in our spirit. God does give us glimpses of himself, right? Gives him, I mean, his whole word is a picture of himself, but from the world's perspective, from a human perspective, you're looking at a book, you're listening to someone tell, present the gospel to you, and you are putting your entire life into this concept of Jesus and saying, I'm going to live for him so I can go to heaven one day and so I can please him and live with him forever and ever. Amen? Right? So you realize that the whole foundation, everything you did right from the get-go, from the very spark of it, was blind faith. You realize it's completely blind. Something inside you that's deeper than what you could understand in your human mind and what you could see with your human eyes, right? We came to a knowing. Everybody say it's a knowing. Something inside of you, just like they say that if you separate a baby from its mother's, from the mother, that the baby will recognize the mother's voice, even though the baby doesn't have a concept yet of like, that's my mom, you know, I'm your child. But the baby will recognize the voice. See, we were separated from God from, because of sin, right? There was a separation. But when Christ calls us, we recognize his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And that's really what you were drawn to. You heard him calling in your spirit that when the preacher said, who wants to come and get saved today? It wasn't just, you know, good preaching. It wasn't, you know, a funny sermon and really sharp points here and, and like, you know, a fast song and a slow song and then like a medium song. And then you were like, that's it. I want to know Jesus. Something through all of that was inside of you was a, was a knowing. Something in you said, I, I want to know this Jesus. I, I know inside of me this is real. 
So the whole thing was faith. So what the devil wants to do is, and that's why he says, I want you to remember, we must do every single thing with that same trust and blind faith. Every single situation, if we don't walk through it in that same way, we're in our own strength, and the devil's got potentially has already got us getting off. The same way that we were then, where it just says, I know that this is right. I know he is God, even though I've never seen him. Even though I didn't get to watch the cross, I believe that that story is true. And in the same way, I believe he is coming again. He's going to come and get us and bring us to a new heaven and new earth. Amen. So faith is choosing to believe God. We're confident who he is, what he said, and, what, and that he'll do it because he's God. And even though we haven't seen it yet, we're going to keep believing and trusting in him. Amen. So it goes uh, into verse 2 of chapter 11. It says, Through their faith, 11-2, the people in the days of old, they earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand. And he starts going through some concepts. We're not going to go through all of them today. Just, I just want to just touch something here. But uh, 11 says that uh, the entire universe was formed by God's command, and that what we see did not come from anything that can be seen. And, or you, your, your Bible might say that uh, the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's the New King James. And it says in verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith, right? Of course it is, because we don't even know him without trusting him, right? We have to that's the only way to please him is to actually say, I, I give you my life. That's the pleasing of God. It's not a working. The working comes from that place. Uh, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Verse 6. Verse 13. It says, all these people died still believing that God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance. Now, what it says is, it's talking, we call this the hall of faith. Who's ever heard of the hall of faith? Hebrews 11 goes through Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, jo uh, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And then it gets to verse 13 and says, all these people, right, who, who thinks some of those are the greats? Anybody know anybody in that list? And it says, all, verse 13, these people died still believing what God had promised them, they did not receive what was promised, but they saw it. Whoa. Did you hear me? All those pillars and greats did not receive in this realm, in time, but they saw it. Isn't that incredible? They saw it from a distance. And welcomed it. Your translation might see, like the New King James says, they saw it from afar, and they had an assurance. They embraced it, and they knew, it says, that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. In other words, if you look at the true definition of what trusting God is and what faith is, it is beyond this earth. It is looking even beyond, even at a long life, and never seeing it here on the earth, but trusting God anyway. Do you understand me? What true faith is. I'm not telling you you're not going to have your miracle today or tomorrow. We're going to keep believing God. 
But what I want you to get is we're not believing God to do things. We're believing God who does things. You understand that? We're not believing God to do things. We're believing God who does things, right? My faith is in God, not in something happening. And so the Bible says, verse 16, they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, does that mean you don't believe for your miracle? Of course you do. Jesus went around, and the Bible says he healed all that were sick and all who were oppressed. The disciples did the same, right? But what did they understand? It's not from me. When I put my hand on you and I pray for you, it's not me. This is God. It is outside of time, and it's outside of reality. This is between God and you, and I'm just in, in, in between, right? Some miracles were instant. We were just talking about this the other day. One time, Jesus said, go down and wash seven times. Why? Could they have argued, well, I want my miracle instantaneously, otherwise I don't believe you? Some miracles take time. You understand that? Who believes that some things take time? What happens is, is, you know, they didn't, every single thing that Jesus did wasn't listed in the Bible. John says that, right? Which means that we're reading about the instantaneous when we get excited and we get frustrated when we don't see it. See, the devil wants you to get focused on you not seeing instantaneous breakthrough or miracles. But it's a lie from the devil. True faith. I just read the Hall of Faith. We're talking the greats of the greats in my Bible. And my Bible says they never even saw it on the earth. And they still trusted God because God, they could see it, it was already finished. But it was in a greater place beyond time itself. Isn't that amazing? Anybody getting anything out of this? So then it says, in verse 32, mentions Rahab here as well, mentions verse, uh, 27, Moses had his eyes on the one who's invisible. And then uh, verse 32 says it would take too long to recount the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Verse 33, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Who gets encouraged by reading that? You know what? When Hebrews 11's preached, they stop right there. Because no one wants to read the rest. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. It goes on. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Verse 38, they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. Say, God has something better in mind for me. 
You know what that is? I'm going to skip ahead and tell you. It is Jesus himself. See, that's what they, they were believing for miracles, and we are going to believe for miracles. But you need to understand that beyond your miracle is Jesus himself. It is only in Christ that the miracle is even fulfilled, that it even has life. Because remember, I mentioned it, 10 lepers get healed, only one comes back and recognizes that it's Christ, comes back to him. The others just took their goodie bag and went, right? And just went, and Jesus says, where's the others? Only you came back? See, because it's Christ himself, they recognize that my faith, whether it goes good or bad, is not only satisfied when I see what I want to see, but it's in God himself. Because we love reading about all the things they did that were amazing and strong, but when things went bad, that doesn't mean that their faith wasn't there and that somehow the devil won. See, the world tries to say, and even in Christendom, who has heard that when someone's going through a tough time, well, maybe they didn't tithe enough, or maybe you're in sin. Who's ever heard something like that? But my Bible says that those with the greatest faith of all, it's called the Hall of Faith, were literally going through the worst of the worst. It's because they had their hope in God who is greater than this earth. And the Bible says there was something greater, something beyond. And the Bible says that they couldn't reach it without us. See, we're all coming to Christ together. And then in verse 12, and I'm going to close here, and we'll look at this deeper next week. But Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, everybody say it's there for a reason, right? It sums it up from, from this, this faith that we're talking about, about not giving up, about staying steady. You see how in the end of chapter 10, how it lines up with the end of chapter 11, right? We love talking about the victories that happened on the earth, right? Some had amazing victories here on the earth. Some didn't, but they all had faith because they were trusting God, not in the miracle. So that's what it says. So verse So Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, that's all the ones that have gone before us, that it's all those that we've just read about and even beyond, all your brothers and sisters around the world that have endured and trusted God and believed God and some saw some things happen on the earth, some didn't, but they see it in eternity. There is a greater victory that's even beyond your earthly victory. There are eyes that see that are beyond the human eyes that can see. And the Bible says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run. This is what faith is. Run with endurance the race God has set before us. The Bible says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates, or you might know it as the, the, uh, the creator, the beginning, the end. I mean, depending on the translations, right? He is the, he is the one who initiates. He is the creator, and he is the finisher or the perfecter. He initiates. He started it. This whole thing that we're doing, walking with him, it began by him, and he will finish it. He is the initiator and perfecter of our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of God's honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Amen.
Isn't that amazing? So we're going to keep praying and believing. We're going to believe that this nation is not finished, right? They're trying to take it down a path that just, you know, to worship the devil. And it, we're going to believe God that there's enough of us praying and believing that God's going to have mercy still on this nation. Amen. We're going to believe that this war is going to stop. We're going to believe things are going to turn around. We're going to believe for victories in our lives. But you have to get to the place where you are not focused on seeing it happen. You're focused on God beyond it. And then suddenly you look and miracles are happening left and right. Things are just happening. God's just doing it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot I even prayed for that. Who's ever experienced that? Because you got your eyes set on Christ and not so focused on the thing that you're believing him for. And suddenly the things that you were believing for, they, it's not that they don't matter, but they come easier. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that our eyes are set on you. We set our eyes on you. We look to you today, and we pray, Jesus, keep us focused. Lord, put the, the eyes, Lord, in our head that just look forward. We don't look to the left or the right like your word tells us to, but we stay focused on you. We trust in you, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there is a finish line awaiting us. There is a victory on the other side, and I thank you, Lord. We are going to obtain every single thing you said we will have in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.